Welcome one, welcome all. It's time once again for KRVN's Midday. Brandon Bennett's doing the best I can to keep the ship afloat. And Susan Littlefield joining us from afar and in-house. Jason Jorgensen, Bob Brogan, and who knows who else will scare up here over the course of our hour and a half or so, or two hours of our Midday News Magazine, according to what the placard on the wall says. And Susan Littlefield, we're going to talk to the governor about some trade and then maybe some beef, too. Oh, you bet. Coming up here, we're going to kick it all off at 1219. I had a conversation just a little bit ago with Governor Pete Ricketts as he talks about trade, not only in the trade mission that he just recently returned to from Germany, but the importance that he has in keeping Germany and, and the U.S. in the forefront and Nebraska being able to promote what we do here to promote some future sales. And we also hit on USMCA as well and the frustrations he has as we uh, move forward with that trade deal. Then at 1245, Bruce Gorder will step in to talk with uh, Rochelle Gilman, she's with the Iowa Beef Industry Council on a recent tour with bloggers as they learn more about food production on the farm and ranch levels and the importance of beef and health. And then wrapping it all up at 117 with Jabella Guzman as Hay Springs Rancher discusses growing his business literally outside the box with the Ranch Beef Cow Symposium that was held in Mitchell. Ranch Beef Cow Symposium. Can't wait to hear more information about that. Susan, many thanks and keep up the good work. All right, sounds good. Thank you. That was Susan Littlefield. Going to turn our attention here just to my right. And Jason Jorgensen, uh, Husker Volleyball, begins the uh, national tournament with a pretty favorable ranking. Yeah, they are. They are the uh, fifth seed, and they will host Friday and Saturday matches at the Devaney Center. Seems like it's been that way for a long time. I can't remember a time which they actually started the thing not in Lincoln. Right. So they will play on Friday night against Ball State at 7. We will bring you that match here on 880 KRV. And, of course, Creighton, they also made the tournament. Uh, they made it for the eighth straight year. They'll play on Friday afternoon at 4.30 against Minneapolis. And of course, to show you how strong volleyball is in the state of Nebraska, you have the UNK Lopers, who are 33-0 and on the year. They will host their regional tournament that begins on Thursday. Lopers will play at 7.30 on Thursday night against Oklahoma Baptist. I couldn't go anywhere this holiday weekend without people asking me about the Lopers, which I think is right, awesome. Right. That's that's good. Good to hear from so many different sports across. You, of course, the wrestling team, the number two ranked team in the nation. And you mentioned earlier with volleyball. So Wayne State that I recently read, a top 20 ranked team, did not nope. make the national tournament because of how strong the central region is? Yeah, so Coach Rick Squires from UNK has talked about that for a yeah. long time, so we will touch on all of that. Also, the SEC has fined Auburn two hundred and fifty grand after fans stormed the field celebrating <laughs> their Iron Bowl victory. But you know what? I bet it's worth every penny to Auburn. Smiling right in that check. You've never been so happy to give up a quarter million. Although, I mean, I know where they're coming from right. with trying to keep people from storming the field. Good but, luck with that. But, but when you beat Alabama. Yeah. And having been a police officer before between me, uh, the Thundering Horde, <laughs> and a goalpost behind me, let him take yeah. it. We'll file the insurance claim. Bob Brogan, stock's down right now. Stocks are off to a week's start as traders return from a holiday-shortened week. And uh, also, uh, a survey shows that uh, the economy is slowing down in nine Midwest states, and that includes... Nebraska. U.S. manufacturing contracts for the fourth straight month and also uh, online shoppers are uh, boosting small business sales and so some small businesses now are not only have a bricks and mortar presence but also an online presence so we'll have a story on that. All that and more coming up on Midday. 
Time for a check of your regional ag weather forecast. And Paul Perkins, after a busy week last week, it seems like every five minutes a forecast would change or something else would happen. It's a fairly low-key week in that the forecast is sunny and dry, and that's not at all a bad thing. Exactly. A very busy week last week for the weather. Of course, we had all kinds of precipitation possible last week. Rain, freezing drizzle, thunderstorms, snow. The whole mixed bag was thrown at us uh, late last week. And this week, we're looking at a dry forecast all the way through the weekend. It's just amazing how this week's weather will compare with what we had towards the tail end of last week. And I am pleased to report that the most egregious thing we have to talk about in terms of weather differences is right now I'm looking at our high-def weather radar. Holyoke, Colorado right now at 43 degrees, Imperial, Nebraska at 32, so an 11-degree difference, no further apart than Imperial and Holyoke are. And that's the worst thing that happens to us all day long. It's going to be a good day. Exactly, yeah. Very quiet conditions across the area. And, of course, uh, the snow continuing to melt. Not a whole lot of snow over much of southeast Nebraska into central and east Kansas, but still a fair amount of cloud cover. If you ever want to look at a visible satellite photo, today is the day to do it because we do have uh, mostly clear skies. Of course, we do have some fair weather clouds out there, but you can see that snow really prevalent, especially along and west of a line from about Norfolk to Grand Island to Kearney and Holdridge and Norton, Kansas, and points to the west. Uh, quite a bit of snow still on the ground, but southeast of that line, that snow cover disappearing very quickly. That's not necessarily a bad thing at all. Here's the rest of the forecast with Paul. Right now we do have temperatures mainly in the low and mid-30s across the area. We do have in those less snow-covered areas of much of northern Kansas in the upper 30s to the low 40s, those low and mid-40s on into northwest Kansas, including 45 on the temperature in the St. Francis, Kansas area. Also temperatures right around 40s to head into northeast Colorado with Holyoke, as Brandon mentioned, sitting at 43. Still some temperatures in the mid to upper 20s from about uh, the Alliance area to north of Sydney in the Nebraska Panhandle. Temperatures today gr- mostly seasonal with some s- uh, southwest winds and some sunshine in advance of a trough of low pressure. And also the winds much lighter today as opposed to the 50 mile an hour wind gusts that we saw for Saturday into early Sunday. Tomorrow, some northwesterly downslope winds behind a trough of low pressure moving through will warm our temperatures back up to just slightly above average tomorrow in the 40s and some 50s. That warming trend peaking out on Wednesday as the flow becomes more westerly, but just a slight cool down on the way for Thursday. It'll be slightly cooler with a weak cold front moving through Thursday afternoon. Thanks to an area of low pressure that will track through Oklahoma and Texas, that area of low pressure could bring a small chance for rain to Kansas on Thursday evening. But that's about it as far as precipitation goes over the next seven days. Friday night and Saturday, with high pressure sliding off towards the east and low pressure developing to our west, we will be in the middle of those two systems. That will give us some stronger south winds for some stronger southwest winds for Friday into Saturday. But it will warm our highs back into the 40s and low 50s. Sunday and Monday, low pressure expected to strengthen over Montana and the Dakotas. That will bring a surge of cold air that drops our highs mainly into the 30s by Monday. So not a big cool down for early next week. Also, a good bit of forecast model uncertainty or disagreement on the position of an area of low pressure and actually whether we could see any precipitation. So precipitation even looks doubtful with that uh, cold uh, cool down as we head towards early next week. In our long-term forecast, a good likelihood of warmer than normal temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through December 15th. In fact, much of the nation in that long-term forecast expecting above normal temperatures, but the higher odds are right over Nebraska and Kansas. During that time, the central Nebraska daytime highs usually average in the upper 30s to around 40, with average overnight lows in the mid to upper 
teens. And once again, this weekend through the 15th, expecting above normal temperatures. Near normal to below normal precipitation is likely this weekend and early next week for Nebraska and Kansas. That outlook trends slightly above normal for precipitation in the middle of next week through the 15th. Key market impacting weather factors include rain and snow disrupting the U.S. harvest and periods of rain for South America. For the western Midwest, moderate precipitation, mostly rain, will disrupt the harvest over the next few days. Eastern sectors of the Midwest will also become wetter through Thursday through Saturday. The Midwest weather also remains prone to periods of rain 6 to 10 days from now. In the northern plains, there will be more harvest delays the next few days with a new round of snow. That includes several inches possible for North Dakota and northern Minnesota. And they, of course, don't need any more snow with upwards of 30 inches of snow being reported in Duluth, Minnesota. The weekend for the northern plains looks to be drier. The southern plains wheat areas will be warmer in the next week. South and east areas of the Southern Plains will also see some chance for beneficial rain over the next five days. The west, central, and northwest areas of the Southern Plains will remain drier. Across South Brazil, beneficial moderate to heavy rain is forecast the next five days. Central and northern Brazil will also have daily chances for rain and favorable conditions for corn and soybean development. In south and west Argentina, beneficial thunderstorms expected on Wednesday and Thursday. Additional moderate to heavy rain will also benefit the Argentina main crop areas by Sunday. Yes. Turn mic on first. That helps a lot. Yeah, switch that, sir. Yeah, it always helps out. For more information and where people can go for the latest of updated information, Paul, you can go to krvn.com. Strict. Pushing Nebraska to be in the forefront when it comes to trade. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Opportunity to talk with Governor Pete Ricketts as he recaps a recent trip to Germany and why keeping Nebraska in front when it comes to trade, not only globally, but right in North America is so important. One of the things we have seen is that the European Union has really stepped up to be uh, one of our great buyers of our ag products here in Nebraska. Uh, as markets like China have kind of faded, uh, they've really stepped up and bought more of our soybeans, for example. And they're our fourth largest uh, destination for our ag products. So we want to continue to develop that marketplace. The administration is renegotiating our trade deal with the European Union. For example, uh, the Trump administration now has uh, doubled or tripled our quota of beef going into the uh, from the U.S. into the European Union. And Nebraska beef makes up over half of that. So what we want to do is go to Germany. We want to promote our Nebraska beef, so we did an event around that. We promoted uh, popcorn as well. We also met with um, a number of agri- or, uh, uh, officials in the German government to talk them about uh, how agriculture and the non-tariff trade barriers the European Union has is negatively affecting our trade. So we would like them to pay attention to that as we look at uh, renegotiating some of our trade deals with the European Union. And then finally, we met with uh, German companies that either have invested already in Nebraska and creating jobs, you know, companies like Kloss and Graypool and Bayer and Avonik, and then other companies that are looking to expand in the United States and really convincing them that they should start their expansion in the United States by expanding in Nebraska. Uh, we're talking again to companies that uh, are in the agricultural field, like ag equipment manufacturers. Uh, we went to Agrotechnica, which is the world's largest ag fair, and uh, had the opportunity to meet with a lot of those companies all in one place. And again, we want to continue to develop those relationships to get that investment that creates jobs here in Nebraska. How important do you see the state of Nebraska continuing to stay in the forefront of these discussions with foreign countries as we see the current climate that we're in when it comes to trade? 
I think these subnational contacts are very, very important. It really allows us to be able to put context around what we're doing. It allows us to bring in our farmers and ranchers to really show that we're a family-oriented operation here in Nebraska, that our farmers and ranchers are you know, multiple generations on the farm, and they produce high-quality products. And as we think about how we are going to grow, especially uh, with agriculture being our number one industry in Nebraska, it's really the growth is going to be outside our borders of the United States, that uh, the growth in the world is going to come from other nations, and that if we want to grow our ag exports, we've got to be there to be able to sell our products. There's been a lot of frustration with where we're sitting with USMCA, and we know that Nebraska benefits from the agreement that we have, not only with Canada and Mexico, but Speaker Pelosi keeps saying, yes, we're going to deal with this, but we know she's out of country right now. Are we going to get this done in 2020? What are you hearing from your folks in Washington, D.C.? Well, Speaker Pelosi has said that she wants to bring this up and get it done, and my understanding is, talking to folks in D.C., that the votes are on the floor, that if she actually brings us to a vote, that this will pass. And this is important to pass because Canada and Mexico are two of our top trading partners. And we want to have more certainty around that relationship. This USMCA will benefit us in agriculture. For example, uh, we've been largely shut out of the Canadian dairy market. This will really open that up. Uh, you know, Mexico is our number one destination for dairy in Nebraska. So this is a, a big potential deal for us. And it's really important that Speaker Pelosi stop playing politics with this. Uh, and get this to the floor and do what's right for the nation and get this passed. My conversation with Governor Pete Ricketts. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. That was your 1219 featured interview brought to you by your local public power districts. Up next, Jason Jorgensen steps in to talk about sports. Larry's RV is proud to introduce a new line to their dealership, the Milestone Fifth Wheels by Heartland. The Milestones offer five different floor plans, including two bunkhouse models, a front living room model, and two rear living room models. Attention to detail and a light modern look set these units apart from other fifth wheel lines. With stainless steel appliances, farm style sinks, 55-inch televisions, self-leveling jacks, and much more. See the Milestones on the lot today at Larry's RV Sales and Service in North Platte. Well, Jason Jorgensen, it's uh, starting to heat up here in the middle of winter. Well, I guess we're not actually in winter, but we're certainly in the winter sports season. High school basketball about to tip off, and UNK basketball already underway. And, oh, yeah, there's still some football around. There is. And for the second straight year, UNK is hosting one of the eight NCAA Division II Volleyball Regionals. Lopers earned the number one seed in a very tough regional by going 33-0 and during the regular season. Head coach Rick Squires says the atmosphere of the Health and Sports Center on Thursday should be great. I mean, this is definitely an occasion when we'll see the difference between UNK and Loper Volleyball and, quite honestly, the rest of the field in Division Two. I mean, I'm sure other places will have attendance and excitement and all those things. Uh, at the other eight regionals, but none of them will be like this. UNK begins play on Thursday night at 7.30 against Oklahoma Baptist, who they beat in five sets at the beginning of the season. Thursday's match begins once again at 7.30. We will bring it to you on our sister station, 93.1 The River and on the River app. Tickets can be purchased ahead of time by going to LoperTickets.com. The Nebraska volleyball team was selected as a fifth overall seed for the Division I tournament that opens up this week. The Huskers will host first and second round action at the Batting Center. The Huskers are making their 38th straight NCAA tournament appearance and will begin tournament action on Friday at 7 against Ball State. The 430 match will feature Northern Iowa against Missouri. 
Friday's winners will meet on Saturday at 7. Now, Nebraska finished the regular season at 17-3 and in conference play, which was good enough for a tie for second place, and head coach John Cook says that was an accomplishment. I mean, and you, can't, you can't have a bad night. It may cost you, but, you know, we, we did pretty well. Um, you know, Wisconsin got us twice in that Purdue match, so a lot of people would take that. A lot of good wins in there, and, and again, consistent play. Cook made his comments on his post-game show on the Husker Sports Network. We will bring you Friday night's match here on 880KRVN. Creighton also qualified for the tournament for the eighth straight year. They'll play Iowa State on Friday afternoon at 4.30 Minneapolis. Ricky Drew Locke won his NFL debut when Brandon McManus nailed a 53-yard field goal as time expired. Give the Denver Broncos finally a close win as they beat the Chargers 23-20. And there are possible playoff implications for tonight's Monday night matchup as the Seahawks host the Vikings. At 8-3, Minnesota is looking to keep pace with the Green Bay Packers and the NFC North. Meanwhile, the Seahawks, who are 9-2, have a chance to grab a share of the NFC West lead with San Francisco's loss yesterday to Baltimore. Now, tonight's matchup features two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. You have Kirk Cousins, who's thrown 24 touchdown passes, and Russell Wilson's also had a big year. So go go figure, Brandon, a, uh, a good lineup here for Monday Night Football. And speaking of go figuring, uh, it's not very often that a lot of people in the Kansas City area Root for the Denver Broncos, but that's exactly what you have. What you had happen when Lee Summit North product Drew Locke, former Missouri Tiger, uh, threw a couple touchdowns and had a pretty good showing for his uh, his uh, first real outing in, in a Denver Bronco uniform. I never thought I'd root for the Broncos, but I'm sure rooting for Drew Locke. I thought about you yesterday while I'm watching. Sure, I'm, I'm sure, sure you were conflicted. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. A new course at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln will focus on the world's religions and will ask students to use their newfound knowledge to propose a common worship space on campus. Reports say the course is called When the World's Religions Came to Lincoln that will start in the spring of 2020. Max Mueller, an assistant professor of classics and religious studies, says only 4% of Nebraska residents identify as non-Christians, but that more immigrants and refugees in Lincoln have created greater religious diversity. Muller says despite that increase, other religious communities don't have space on or near campus to worship, leaving them to pray together in libraries or even hallways. As students learn about religions, they will research and propose a space to university stakeholders that could serve various religions. A new monthly survey of business leaders suggests the economy is slowing down in nine Midwest and Plain states as the U.S. trade war with China continues. The overall index for the region slipped into negative territory at 48.6 in November from October's 52.6. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention expects that flu is going to ramp up this month, especially around the holidays when friends and families are gathered together for the holidays. Dr. Jeffrey Fry with MedExpress Urgent Care says the flu vaccination is an important step to protect yourselves and others. You know, there's still time. We haven't run out of time to get your flu shot this year. And although it's not 100% effective, it uh, is very helpful in preventing the flu uh, with you and if you're not thinking about yourself at least think about your family and those around you that do have those conditions that may be more susceptible now a news release from med express says the 2017-18 flu season was the first one to be categorized as high severity across all age groups dr fry says both influenza a and influenza b were circulating last year and the season was prolonged making it worse than usual 
He says most of the cases they've seen this year have been influenza B. Well, seven small earthquakes have rattled Kansas since Saturday, with all but one of them clustered near Wichita. The Kansas Geological Survey reports that six of the tremblers were centered in southwest Sedgwick County. They ranged in magnitude from 2 to 3.1. A seventh earthquake with a magnitude of 2.9 was reported in Rooks County in the north-central part of the state. The threshold for damage usually starts at 4.0. The reports say that the earthquakes hit as the Kansas Corporation Commission is investigating the cause of a swarm of 17 earthquakes in five days in the same area of central Kansas back in August. The regulatory agency's investigation is focused on the underground disposal of oil field waste that has been blamed for quakes elsewhere in southern Kansas. And finally, authorities have arrested a woman in the killing of her husband in Salina, Kansas. 60-year-old Melanie Grubbs was booked into jail on suspicion of second-degree murder and being a felon in possession of a firearm in the death of her husband, 52-year-old Philip Grubbs Jr. Police say emergency crews found him dead Saturday while responding to an emergency call. That's your afternoon news update. I'm Tyler Cavalli, and for more, visit our website at krvn.com. Bruce Gorder with you on the Rural Radio Network. Using social media to spread the good news about agriculture was the goal of a recent bloggers tour sponsored by Iowa Beef, Iowa Pork, and Corn. Rochelle Gilman is the Director of Health and Nutrition for the Iowa Beef Industry Council. She talks about the bloggers who were there. Yeah, there were two bloggers that attended. And, um, you know, they're some of the country's top food bloggers. You know, and they're they're from states, you know, some of the densely populated areas like New York, Florida, Pennsylvania, California, Texas, Arizona, Colorado. It was just a great opportunity to bring those bloggers together to get a first-hand look at agriculture in the Midwest and in Iowa in particular. Rochelle, how were these bloggers chosen and what was the criteria you used in choosing them? It's actually the um, Iowa corn growers who've who've had this tour for several years. They actually designate or have a food blogger that's kind of the lead blogger, and rely on that blogger to um, bring in a group of of food bloggers. So it was it was really Iowa corn growers who are responsible for that. But we just all feel like it's such a great way to connect with consumers with these food bloggers. They're just extremely important for us to connect with. They have thousands of loyal followers and um, you know those followers really view them as a trusted source for information. So it's important for us to provide them you know with these experiences, these tours, um, you know meeting the farmers firsthand so that they can share those experiences with their followers. So while the bloggers were in Iowa, what kind of activities did you have for them? Beef in particular, I can uh, talk about. We, um, the Beef Checkoff, hosted a pasture walk for the bloggers, and they got a first-hand look at a cow-calf operation, and just really gained valuable insight from the family on the day-to-day responsibilities that occur on a cattle farm. And then um, we also followed that up then with a. Um, a beef dinner where the beef farmers were there and the bloggers really got to engage in some great conversation and have a Q&A session and ask, you know, those beef farmers, you know, the questions that they have or maybe their followers um, have had and, and get answers to those questions. 
What kind of questions were they asking that uh, they wanted to pass along to their followers? I think one of them with beef in particular was the difference between grass-finished and grain-finished beef. That seemed to be one of the topics that a lot of their followers and the bloggers had questions on. So it was a great opportunity to, um, you know, educate them on. And, you know, what we share is that beef, no matter if it's grain, grass, finished, it is a great source of 10 essential nutrients, um, high-quality protein. And, um, you know, I think it's surprising to them to for them to learn that um, cattle – the majority of their diet is grass or forage based, so um, I think that's also you know eye opening for them. Were they exposed at all to the actual production of beef, uh, seeing the beef either in a feedlot or in a pasture situation at the farm? Yeah, they actually got to go. Um, well, they actually got to go to the pasture and actually got to um, you know see the cows and the calves. Um, the calves hadn't been weaned yet, so they actually got to see those cows and calves. Um, you know, they got to see rotational grazing. Um, you know, they they talked about um, you know taking good care of the the pasture and the grass and the environment, and that's an important part of their job. Um, they also got to see um, the other side where um, there was another beef farmer. Who was also a grain farmer that they got to see um, livestock in a more of a um, confinement type situation. So they, they got exposed to several different, um, you know, farming practices, production practices. Um, they they also, you know, I'll speak to pork. They also got to see um, some pork production, um, corn. They actually got to see a combine harvesting corn. I know that's a highlight for a lot of them is getting to see all the, um, you know, the technology that's being used. I think that was a big thing that really impressed them was all the technology that farmers use um, the, these days. So um, it, w- it was a great it was a great tour. Um, the cool thing about it is is that um, following the tour, you see a lot of posts that they're putting on Facebook and Instagram with um, you know what what they've learned about farming, pictures that they took. Um, they, a lot of them had beef recipes that they were posting. So it's just a good good event to highlight and feature beef and, and Iowa agriculture. And Rochelle tells this that between the 10 bloggers, they have over 3.5 million followers on Instagram and Facebook. That's Rochelle Gilman. She's the Director of Health and Nutrition for the Iowa Beef Industry Council. And I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio Network. Time to once again check in with Bob Brogan and get the very latest on our midday business review. And uh, doesn't look like Scott stocks are doing anything too hot right now. No, they are lower this afternoon on Wall Street as trade tensions flared with China's diplomatic retaliation for U.S. support of protesters in Hong Kong. The selling accelerated after the U.S. government issued weak manufacturing and construction reports. Also, uh, as we look over the landscape, a survey suggests that the economy is slowing in nine Midwest states, and that includes Nebraska. Uh, in 
it's also connected to the U.S. trade war with China and uh, that whole mix of things that uh, is kind of dampening things. Creighton University economist Ernie Goss, who oversees that survey, says the ongoing trade war and slow global growth is hurting manufacturers in the region. And uh, the overall index for the region slipped into negative territory at 48.6 in November from October's 52.6. Anything over 50 is considered growth. Anything under, of course, well, that's not growth. So (laughs) spending on U.S. construction projects fell eight-tenths of a percent in October, dragged down by declines in apartment and multifamily home building. U.S. manufacturing output deteriorated for the fourth consecutive month damaged by the trade conflicts and a weakening global economy. Also, uh, holiday shopping. Some of the numbers starting to come in just a little bit. Shoppers, many of them using smartphones, spent $3.6 billion buying online from small businesses on Saturday. And uh, also today is what they call Cyber Monday. Uh, Some folks like to shop on their PC or on their phone or something like that. A lot of businesses, though, are uh, trying to kind of uh, work with that, and they're not only having a bricks-and-mortar presence, but also having an online presence. So they're trying to uh, get sales from both locations. We're told by the uh, National Retail Federation that that is kind of the new wave, and if uh, businesses want to compete, they need to have an online and a bricks and mortar uh, presence. So those are some of the things making uh, business headlines today. And that was Bob Brogan bringing us the very latest. We're going to hear from Shaley Peters coming up on the, on the last World Radio Forum. We have the most prime piece of real estate in the entire country, dead center of the United States. You are a two-day truck trip to either West Coast or East Coast, and you're one day to our North or South borders. That one student per class, per year, per school in rural Nebraska moves to Omaha or Lincoln. You do that for 40 or 50 years, and that's what we're at. It's extremely important for us to recognize that demographic, because in this debate and discussion about resources in this state, we have the resources in rural Nebraska. We have stranded infrastructure out here that, quite frankly, isn't all that expensive to utilize. We as the people that care about our communities, our state, our families, it's our responsibility to do exactly that. We can't quit. We can't blame. We have to step up and accept that responsibility of working together for positive change. I think the people of this state will do that. Listen to the Rural Infrastructure Part 2 Forum podcast by visiting krvn.com and clicking on podcasts. Cattle business is like any business where most ranchers run their cattle in the same way, but there are those who dare to be different. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Hay Springs rancher Vern Terrell is one such rancher growing his business outside the box. He spoke at the recent 2019 Range Beef Cow Symposium held in Mitchell on ways a rancher can be different and successful. Our operation is a, a pretty low input operation and so we do some things uh, a lot of cattle producers in the Sandhills don't do. Uh, uh, we don't take cows. The cows take care of themselves. We buy our cows. Uh, we're low input on feed. Uh, we have different enterprises. We also run a flock of ewes with our cows. Uh, we have a custom backgrounding lot. Uh, we turn our bulls over annually. We use them one year and resell them. 
so you know, quite a few different things uh, than the normal producer does. Terrell explains more on how they started on the path to where they are now and some of the challenges they faced. After the drought of 2012, we sold cows down and uh, we leased a ranch and we needed numbers. And so we started buying cows and, and like that versus raising heifers. And uh, older cows in our situation uh, were more productive, worked better for us. Uh, uh, that's That was our start. It was all because of the drought in 2012. So, uh, you know, we would prefer to, to run crossbred cows. And that's one been one of our bigger challenges is to find crossbred cows to buy. Uh, we turn them across everything. So, uh, uh, that's been one of the big challenge, uh, you know, finding the kind of cows we want. Uh, we've bought cows from, I think, 11 different states. Uh, we follow the droughts and buy cows from drought areas quite often. Terrell says the cattle they do have on the ranch are pretty low input. We buy feed for our cows that we need, but hopefully most years we don't don't feed much feed. We use a native range and corn stalks for the winter feed. Uh, so that's that's been uh, one of the big input things. Are turning our bulls over every year. We've got our bull costs down uh, probably a half of what a normal. Uh, if you kept bulls matu- till their maturity and, and year round, uh, we've got that down pretty minimal cost. Uh, and labor, we run a lot of cows with not much labor, and we let make the cows do a lot of the work. Along with running cattle on their operation, the Terrells run sheep as well. He says research shows the two make compatible grazing teams. Well, there's been research done all over the world that you can run uh, a ewe for every cow and not take any more forage. They, they tend to, to eat different, uh, they eat forbs versus grass primarily, although they, they will eat little grass. Uh, so economically doing that, it's like running... Uh, you know, an extra, uh, quite a few extra cows over the summer. We we run, we've had up to 1,200 cows, and and that's like summering another 240 cows, and uh, without any extra cost if the research is right. You know, we we have costs in herders and and wintering and such, but it's been a profitable uh, enterprise for us. Terrell says people think of challenges with sheep and think of fencing, but it's the coyotes, which have made a comeback in their area, which give them and their herders the most challenges. Terrell has three sons, one who helps him with the operation, and two who have branched out. The Terrells also raise some crops and cover crops for their livestock. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Grain markets today mostly lower as we sank in soybeans and wheat. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined by John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So we took a hit on soybeans even though we're tremendously oversold, aren't we? Oh, yeah. And actually had a really nice close. Got back above that 870 level here. So uh, I, I think I'd like to say we bought them. This is the area we bounced from in August a few times. Uh, and then, of course, the, the May May lows. But other than that, uh, this has been a, a cheap level. And I think farmers have probably sold what they're going to sell here. Anybody who hasn't sold at the end of the month are going to essentially hold till the end of the year. I don't think there's a huge recovery in, in, at hand here. Maybe, you know, we'll call it 9 bucks, But I think you got to be looking to get to work on those levels, especially for, for bushels that you need to sell by the end of the year. Short term, it really is about trade. I know it's... Uh, 
you know, you and I are going to continue to talk about this, but there's a deadline now about two weeks away. So the big events that you have to watch for, the USDA report on the 10th, that could be bullish soybeans. You know, maybe they drop the yield a little bit more. Uh, demand has been pretty stout from uh, from the last month, so I don't think we'll see any change there. And then beyond that, it'll be like the following Friday, which will be the last trade before the 15th when those new tariffs will kick in. If those happen, I imagine that you'll see those May lows get run. But at this point, I think we hit some technical objectives, and I would imagine the short sellers will look to take some profit here. Let's look at March corn now that we're past delivery on the December contract. And what's your technical picture there? Four dollars, probably. You know, three ninety-five to four. Um, like the action. You know, again, coming off the the high this morning and trading down to three eighty, then coming back up again. Just you know, we got a lot of corn in the field. That was just west of here in the Quad Cities, though east of east or west of Chicago, right on the Illinois Iowa border. It's a lot of corn in the field. So, you know. Agronomists will tell you not to worry too much, but it's still bushels that aren't going to be sold. And if a lot of these bushels stay in the field through, you know, Christmas or beyond, you're still looking at bushels that are unavailable to be purchased. So I think in the near term, the basis stays strong, and that should keep the board up. Uh, the real tough decision for folks will be what do you do with March between three ninety and four dollars? That's been the level to sell in the past. And again, uh, you got a lot of time till first notice day in that February contract or in that March contract, but um, you got to be ready. I think uh, it'll, it'll be difficult at that price level. And I think as you look back, that'd be a, a decision you should have made in the past. And I think uh, a lot of folks will be tempted to do it now that, that uh, they'll need to move bushels here, especially ahead of a, of a hefty new crop supply that's coming. Thanks for the comments, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. You can always go to the website for more information, danielsagmarketing.com. Remember, trading commodities involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Davini Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.